Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. If Bryce Young was six feet two, the Bears would not have traded the pick. Because when you watch Bryce Young on tape, he is an instinctive, incredibly gifted thrower of the football, decision maker, and has that it factor. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, we have now turned the calendar to April. Draft month is here. I know you're excited. A lot to get to, but uh, we, we, we got to start with these quarterbacks, man. That, that's that's where a lot of the discussion is about, is that the quarterbacks this time of the year, and we got a lot of them at the top of the board. And we got a lot of people that are experts on evaluating them, too, you know? So that's always a good thing. <laughs> Thank God we have that, you know? I mean, no God shortage. if we didn't have that. No, I mean, draft season's so much fun. And, and one of the reasons I, I'm fortunate enough to have worked in football is because I was a draft neck, you know? And so... I, I make fun of draft nicks in, in a positive way because mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I, you know, we played Stratomatic Baseball, Michael Sanino, Danny Reynolds, and and myself, and we all kind of played this game forever. And then we we took the, the cards and we started drafting. And then I became in love with the draft. And then when I went to college, I was in love with the draft and would go into New York City when it was at the Sheridan Hotel before you were born and wait in line <laughs> with Joel Bushbaum and uh, – who I didn't even know. He just looked like a strange looking fella, you know? Uh, and, uh, and there were, they only let 300 people in the Sheridan. And so, because wow. you couldn't, you couldn't get the picks, right? Mm-hmm. You couldn't, you didn't, you, didn't, you had to wait till the morning paper to, you know, you're too young to remember, but we lived off the transaction section of the paper when I was growing up. Mm. That's how we knew what was going on. We didn't have Twitter. We didn't have the ability to see it. So every day there was a transaction and the draft would be in that transaction section. So it's crazy. It's crazy. And so I, I get people's love affair with the draft. I get it. And I love it. And I love the fact that, you know, that it's on TV and people embrace it because when they went to put it on TV, that people in the league office laughed and said, you're crazy. Who's going to watch that? Everyone. <laughs> Everyone's I mean, going to watch it. <laughs> they don't know the power of the draft Knicks. I mean, yeah. I wrote about it in the new book, Football Done Right. I wrote about this uh this these two brothers the Macuso brothers who basically started they were the first draft Knicks of all time they mm-hmm. were in Philadelphia and then I wrote about Jerry Jones the guy who, who came out with this this thing called the drugstore list because he was a pharmacist in Cincinnati mm-hmm. and he was charging like thirteen dollars back in the day for it and then eventually the great Joel Bushbaum who to me is every time I get to April of the year I I, I think about calling him and talking to him and he had an unbelievable memory. Femi, you could call him on the phone and ask him about any player, and he could recite the player at a moment's notice. And and Bill Walsh loved listening to him. So mm-hmm. he would say to me, call Bushbaum, and I would dial 718-252-4481. That was his number. And uh, and uh, and he loved that, Mike, this is Joel. <laughs> and, and then he would go into this whole dissertation about a player 
it was incredible. And Walsh would just shake his head and just say, now, now that's a scout. Yeah, I mean, that's someone who has passion for, for, for what he does. And he, then, he was great. I mean, he was he was great. He would be, I just don't think that's going to work, Mike. You know, and then <laughs> I remember the day he died, I, I kept calling his number and nobody would answer. Mm. You know, and because uh, I would always ask, because he, he was wired in the league. You talk about these guys that go on TV now, these mock draft guys, that they, they were near as wired as Joel was. Joel could talk to Dick Steinberg at a moment's notice. He could get to Bobby Beathard in, in no time at all. He'd get to George Young in no time at all. He could get to him because he had great information, even though he was living in apartment J on Avenue I in Brooklyn, you know. He had, I mean, there's a, there's a true story there. He ate mushrooms and pretzels. I mean, it it's really could be a documentary. Uh, mushrooms and pretzels. That's quite the combination. Canned mushrooms. Oh, my God. He was like 135 pounds. <laughs> he had no life. Sparky was his dog. You could hear Sparky in the background. I sent him a beta cam machine. We would send him tapes. I mean, never met him. Never met him. Uh, I don't think anybody just, ever met just him. Just phone calls. All phone calls. I used to say all the time, Joel, am I ever going to get in the back cave? Because his apartment was the back cave. Uh-huh. And he had and he had all these media guides all over the place because that back in the day he didn't have he didn't yeah. have this right. You had to do the reading and the and so yeah. Man, that's that's crazy. Uh, but that's but that's what the draft has sprung. That, that's what it's created. Yeah, that's right? created, that's yeah. why we love it. Guys like Joel. There's other guys mm-hmm. like Joel that are out there. But Joel was really dedicated at his craft. And if you ever said to Joel. You know, Joel was never a big, oh, I think he's going to go in the fourth round, Mike. Joel was about, I think this guy could play. Here's how he would play. He described mm. the player. Because remember, in the 70s and the 80s, 90s, 70s and 80s mostly, you had to describe the player because no one could see the player, mm-hmm. right? So you had to write a report that was descriptive of the player because there was no tape available. Hey, let's just go to YouTube and watch the guy. Yeah. Nobody could visualize the player. So you had to write the player. And that, think about that, right? I mean, I think that's really interesting because especially back then, and even I remember when I was young, not every single college football game was shown on Saturday afternoon. Right. It was all yeah. regional coverage. So being a West Coast guy, I'd see a lot of Pac-10 back then and all that. I, I wouldn't see the ACC or whatever until bowl season. So you yeah. didn't have you, you didn't only have your own personal opinions on anyone. Yeah, you know, it's like Mike Palm was on the show the other day. I don't know if you were hosting or not or was Stormy, but he talked about the Rose Bowl, mm-hmm. how much he loved the Rose Bowl, right? And so as a kid, you know, you're growing up in Washington. I'm growing up in New Jersey. And to see Pasadena in January 1st right? when you're freezing your ass off <laughs> in gosh. New Jersey on Highway 9. Like the Oasis. And Pasadena, like, <laughs> why do I live here? Like, I know barbershop Mike's cutting hair here. Can't he cut hair there? Yeah. Let's go to Southern California. Oh, Disneyland. That looks cool. Wow. Let's like, go down I there. Mean, did, why do we have to cut hair? I mean, I'm, we're not farmers. <laughs> we're not living off this land here. You know, like, shit. So, but the, the you know, yeah. So you had to describe the player. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was, to me, I think one of the great advantages I had in my career was being able to read reports. See, I think some young scouts today, they don't read reports. They don't know how to write reports. They don't know how to read. Nobody's training them how to do it. I sent you the manual Mm -hmm. where we try to train people how to write a report, you know? And so because you don't have the ability to be descriptive in nature, you, you're not really, you're, you're, all you're doing is telling me where this player's going to go, what round he should go in. And it really is meaningless because when he gets picked there, I tell this story all the time. I mean, we were in uh, Cleveland and uh, and we came into the draft room and we had this one older scout who never gave an opinion all during the draft. Never. 
And then after the draft, he got his notebook out and he sat there and started looking at the room. Yep, I said he'd go in the third. I said he'd go in the fourth. Everything he did was based on where he was predicting they would go, which yeah. is meaningless. Yeah. No, it's it's for the betting side of it because like that's where like I kind of think about things. That's the that's the only where area where it's like meaningful. Like, okay, where's this guy going to go? You can bet on all that stuff. But in terms of what they're going to do on the field, whether they're picked in the first round or the fourth round, how can they impact the team and how can they impact winning? Like that's ultimately what's going to matter. And that's what we talk about all these guys. It's not just the where and the when. It's the what are they actually as players, and that's what makes it fun. You know, as you get older, you have memory of. Uh of events that happened in your career. And I can remember we were at 7-Eleven Nevada Street in Redwood City, which was which is now like, I think it's a rec center. Mm -hmm. But it, it was the city of, of, of Redwood City owned it and they gave it to the 49ers before Mr. D built the new facility. And so we were upstairs and this is in the mid eighties, right? So there's no big elaborate facilities. So the office, the, the, the staff meeting room also was Norb Hecker, the old coach who was on Vince Lombardi's staff, he had a desk in there. Big John Wayne fan, by the way. Um, Bill McPherson had a desk in there. Uh, and I think somebody else, uh, Ray Rhodes and George Seifert sh shared an office at across the hall. But that's where we would meet. And so when the subject of where were we going to pick Charles Haley came up, you know, the great, and I love Bill McPherson, his son Patrick. I went to watch Patrick play high school football. Patrick's a tight end coach up at Seattle. And... Uh, I could still remember Bill Walsh asking Mac, who went to work out Charles, you know, mm -hmm. and liked him and, and said, Mac, where would you draft this kid? And, and Mac kind of had this pain in his face. I could still see it to this day as if he had the worst gas in the world, you know, like it was just killing him, <laughs> you know, m maybe the ninth or the 10th round coach was 12 rounds then. Mm -hmm. And uh, Walsh said, Bill, if we like him, we're going to pick him. And then that, that was always said. And then we drafted him in the fourth, but but to me, and after we drafted him in the fourth and he played, Walsh was the first guy to say, man, we should have picked him in the first round. Hall of Fame career. Yeah. I mean, it took him a while to get in, which Dude. is ridiculous. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other thing. We'll do that maybe in the summertime when we get closer to your book coming out. Um, but we talked about these guys and all the talent. Everyone's been talking about Anthony Richardson. Now that the quarterback pro day circuit is over, what we saw in Gainesville, and there's been discussions about is Richardson the guy at number three for whichever team ends up picking there? Right now it's Arizona, but a number of teams have been t discussed about possibly moving up to get that quarterback. The Indianapolis Colts have been talked about since they've been sort of been boxed out of the young Shroud discussion. Maybe the Las Vegas Raiders, who currently pick seventh. Or how about the Tennessee Titans, who pick outside the top ten? Is, is Richardson seen as that guy that we think that could go number three behind Young and Stroud and however that order goes out the top two picks? Well, I mean, I think I think the Colts have kind of boxed themselves in a little bit here. Mm -hmm. Like, they're going to have to pick a quarterback. And I'm not sure if it's Levis or is it going to be Richardson. But to me, there's no way they're planning to go into the next year with Gardner Minshew as the guy. So yeah. they've kind of boxed themselves in there. And look, Richardson is uniquely talented. There's no denying his 100%. talent. Uh, it's can you bring that talent to the forefront? Is is he going to be one of those quarterbacks who are more talented and flash plays and is better as a runner and isn't a complete thrower? And Josh Allen's helping him, believe it or not, because Josh Allen's was at, you know, think about Anthony mm -hmm. Richardson if he played at Wyoming. How good would he look? Yeah. You know? So I do think there's going to be there's going to be, you know, I think there'll be four quarterbacks picked in the first round. I don't know where, if Richardson goes four, I don't know where Levis goes. I think that's going to be, I don't know where the love appears. I was in Louisville this week, past week, and got asked a ton of questions by the people in the audience. 
And there were a lot of a lot of Kentucky fans in the audience, and a lot of them were asking me questions about Levis. And and almost in, they watched him, and they they didn't see him as an elite player. Mm. You know, it's kind of like there it was the, not the trained eye, but it was their perception of it. Yeah, and we saw Kentucky have their struggles this past season, especially and, offensively. Yeah, offensively, like I mean, Levis was talking about, hey, this is a guy who could be a top draft pick, and. Every Saturday, it felt like people on Twitter and and take that for whatever it's worth. Everyone's like, I don't see it with Will Levis. So that checks out. The people in Kentucky, it checks out with the general opinion about a lot of people when it comes to Will Levis. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I don't think he's the guy that people think is good, but we've all been wrong before. (laughs) People also didn't think Josh Allen would be good, and Josh Allen ended up turning out to be a pretty darn good quarterback. Right now, over at our show sponsor, DraftKings, Richardson is minus 140 to go number three overall, even though the Arizona Cardinals have that pick. I think a lot of people in the market expecting there to be some sort of a trade there. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot of it's going to come down. We, I think it, it's an anticipation of a trade. Mm-hmm. I think the next two weeks are critical. Really, the next three weeks, and, and we'll talk about it in the next block, mm-hmm. but I think th- the next three weeks, we need to go explain to people what actually is going to happen. Well, after the break, we'll talk about who might move up to number three. This is the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, Michael, let's talk more about this number three overall pick, because right now, that pick belongs to the Arizona Cardinals. But when you look at the betting markets, like we discussed in the last segment, Anthony Richardson is now the favorite to go number three. We don't believe the Cardinals are going to be taking a quarterback. So the assumption is being made that a trade will happen at some point between now and pick three being on the clock. With Richardson right now, he's minus 140, the odds-on favorite. After him, you have Will Anderson at plus 270, who folks believe that's who Arizona would take if they just sat there and take the and, uh, picked and decided not to trade it. Will Levis is at plus 650, then Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback over at Oregon, is at plus 750. If you're the Indianapolis Colts, do you feel the urgency and the need to go from four to three to secure a quarterback of your liking? Well, I, I think you'll you'll know more about that in the next coming weeks. First of all, you got to have a strong conviction of the player. So Richardson is going to come in and get tested. I mean, this isn't going to be a recruiting visit. This isn't going to be I'm going to Florida and then I'm going to Alabama next week and they're going to wine and dime me. He's going to come in 
and he's going to get treated really well, but he's going to get up on a blackboard mm -hmm. and they're going to spend a lot of time with them and, and they're going to put in a little bit of their offense. Let's just say they put in five or six passes, four or five runs. They're going to drill them on those. They're going to coach them up on what they're looking for. They're going to take them to a walkthrough. They're going to then put them up on the backboard again. And then the next day they're going to come back in. They're going to see how much he knows and what he thinks of and how much of his recall. Can he communicate it? Can he say it really quickly? That's going to be the key for him. I'm not saying he's dumb at all. I'm just saying the, the guy that you pick has to be partly of who you represent yourself. Mm -hmm. it, it, it really becomes, and this is where I think Mike Mayock made mistakes when he was at the, at the, here at the Raiders, or we all make these mistakes, is, is we don't think of it as an extension of ourselves. And, we, and I made them too, so I'm not being critical. But when you pick Cleveland Farrell as the fourth pick overall in the draft, you're now saying this is who, this is who I accept. And so if you're the Colts, you've got to say this, you've got to have enough conviction of the heart to believe he's the right player. So, yeah, I, I think it's a little too early to say, but I do believe that, you know, if they feel like somebody's going to jump them, is it really not, is it worth it to hold back and lose the player? Now, if you have Levis at, at the same grade as you have Richardson, you don't move. Yeah. You don't move. It's... Because we've heard about Will Levis in Indianapolis, but I feel like with Richardson, that buzz is louder for the Colts, given that Shane Steichen is the coach there, and he worked with Jalen Hurts using that six-back offense, and that's people can see, oh, Richardson should have success in that style of an offense. So that's kind of where the, 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 the parallel is being drawn there. Would you say that the favorite outcome is that we have three quarterbacks go one, two, three? Yeah, I, I don't see that. I, I, I don't think if I'm Seattle... I don't, are they in that much of an urgency to get up there? I mean, I think they'll take who comes to them mm -hmm. because certainly they could go defense. They could continue to rebuild their team. I mean, these, this draft is critical for Seattle oh, yeah. because they could really close the gap a little bit on San Francisco. I don't think they're worried about the Rams or Arizona. You know, the other thing going back to Arizona, Femi, and I know you're a huge Kyler Murray fan. You got his jersey <laughs> too. But I, I, you know, I think the biggest mistakes you make in, in, in building teams is misevaluating the quarterback. Now, I know the Cardinals aren't going to do this, but like I, I go back to 02, you know, I go back to uh, the draft when we picked, when I was at Oakland, and we had the second pick overall in the draft. Well earned, by the way, you know. And we're sitting there, and there's Roethlisberger, there's, there's Eli, and there's Rivers. And we have Rich Gannon coming back off of an injury. You know, and we're in that we got to win now mode. And and Angie Koya, the scout at the time, God rest his soul, he was pushing hard for Roethlisberger. And, and we kind of ignored it because we felt like, okay, we've got this. Mm. When in reality, we didn't. I think that's the mistake you make if you're Arizona. I, I said this and I wrote this in a column. And, and, I, and I mean this with all sincerity. If, if Bryce Young was six feet two, the Bears would have traded, would not have traded the pick. If he were 6'2", they would have not traded. I think the only reason they traded the pick is because he's not 6'2". Because when you watch Bryce Young on tape, he is an instinctive, incredibly gifted thrower of the football, decision maker, and has that it factor. Mm -hmm. Has that it factor. And so you could say the, the risk if we take him is the height. I understand that. That's the risk, right? There's not a there's not a lot of 
five ten guys as I wrote about. You know, Flutie what didn't do it, and and Eddie LeBaron was five seven and all that crap. You know, so I think to me that would be the if I were Ryan Poles, that's what I would have said. I might have said it anyway because I'm not as I'm not in love with Fields, but I think to me the Cardinals are in that situation where they just they're kidding themselves thinking they've got their answer and they're gonna we're gonna look back on this in five years if any of these kids are great we're gonna say wait a minute they should have done this yeah especially if it's richardson who's great or or levis who ends up being great because we believe that they're probably not gonna have the chance to draft young or stroud but if it's one of those other two guys it's like well you could have had him and you stuck with the mayor and uh, for the record the mayor's on shaky ground with me Good, he should be. He's on, he's mean, on a little shaky ground with me. But, but I mean, we I reserve the, re- the right to, to, to wait and see what happens post-injury, but it's it, this past season was Post-injury, I mean, he, you know. He, 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 wasn't, mean, he didn't make me look good this past no, season. No, he, he didn't make anybody look yeah, good. I mean, other good. than the uh, Michael Bidwell and, and Steve Kime, who's Shout out to Eric Burkhart, the agent. Yeah, I mean, great job. I need to call him up, represent me. Just kidding. I love my agent. He's good. <laughs> but let, let's talk about these 30-day visits because we saw the report come out earlier this morning. Will Levis is here in Las Vegas, visiting mm-hmm. with the Las Vegas Raiders as a part of the 30-day work. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. You have a kid that works for the Raiders, and he, he won't even communicate with you. Like, i, I got to ask Dominic <laughs> what's going on over at the Raiders. And you brought him over for dinner and I everything, brought, I had him over to the house last night for dinner, and i, I got to ask Dominic what's happening, you know. He said, oh, P-, he calls me Peaky, because we used to play Peekaboo. So my, mm-hmm. instead of being called, like, Grandpop or Poppy, or I'm Peaky. So, yeah, Peeks, he says, Peeks, I don't know what's going on. You know, my dad won't talk to you. So, I mean, I'm all, I'm on my own. I'm on my own. Everybody assumes that you're just plugged into everything going on with the Silver I would and say Black, probably but... I'm least plugged into the Raiders than any team. <laughs> but let's go into what happens at these 30 visits here, because I think that's the part from fans we don't really see on the outside. We can kind of make an assumption, but we don't really know. You've been in the room doing these for a number of years. So let's go inside the war room here. What happens at a top 30 visit? So you got two lists, really. You've got maybe you got ten guys that you really like in the back end of the draft that you want to recruit, that you think could be free agents, or you need medical information on. Mm-hmm. So let's say you reserve, let's say you reserve ten spots for those players. So you know you got them there. You got ten spots. Then you have five guys that you think could be your number one pick or you might be interested in, but you need more information, the medical's not good from the combine, or you need clarity. Mm-hmm. And so, and you want everybody to get clarity on them because you can get clarity by going to visit them. So you could, you, when you use a visit, you're, you're really in, engaging him in the organization and you need medical. And then you have the bunch of other ones that you're kind of just trying to figure out, get more comfortable with, you need more people. So I would say 15 of them are probably data collection. The other 15 are more of medical, the more, you know, we can't, we couldn't get to that workout. We missed the workout. We got to replace it. So we bring them in. And you realize when you turn, when you bring the player in, everybody knows. Like there's no cloak of darkness when you bring them in. So you've announced to the world who you're bringing in. And so everybody looks at your list. So when I was in the league, we would keep, we all, they all do it. They keep track of the 30. Like I knew Ted Thompson's free agent board from his list because he would bring a lot of those down the line guys in to get medical on them. So you kind of, so, okay. Then, so if you're bringing them in, they must have a draftable grade on your board. Or at least a high free agent grade. And it may be a name that you don't even know. 
So you're constantly combing through. So once you bring a player in, you're realizing you're letting the league know you're engaged in that guy. Not saying you're going to pick him, but you're engaged. Do teams ever smoke screen these top 30 visits? I think they're too valuable to smoke screen, but I do think you bring guys in to kind of make it a decoy. Mm-hmm. You kind of let it look like, okay, here's where we're going. We brought this guy in. But you, you, you remember, time equals money. Yeah. So when you bring a guy in, you got to spend time with him. You can't be messing around. Can't be messing around. You're giving a coach a day of work that he could be working on a game plan. He could be working on, on something else to then do it. So I, I think uh, I, I think it's harder to smoke screen. And, and look, if you're the Colts, you're probably going to spend as much time as you can on the quarterback. I mean, why wouldn't the Raiders bring in all the quarterbacks? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's the same thing I said about if I were working for the Washington football team. I would be able to give the I would give the owner a notebook on Lamar because of all the research we've done on him. Here it is. So you've got to do all your research on all the quarterbacks. Is there ever a scenario where you bring a guy in? Let's say you have him on your draft board. It's like, all right, we want to bring this guy in just to make sure we check everything off. And then after the visit, you take them off the board. Like the visit just goes poorly. Yeah. Or something comes up and you're just like, you know what? That's not a guy where we should be interested it, in. It, it, it's not a fit. He just doesn't fit here. Mm-hmm. And it could be because of the, med- the medical. It could be because of the mental. It could be because of the way he is. He doesn't fit in your locker room. So we're not going to play around with like that. That You know, we hear the word chemistry a lot when talking about building football teams. Mm-hmm. And, and it has a place. It really does. And because it has a place, you, you've got to be really careful about who you bring in your locker room. And remember, the first rule of scouting is to know more about the player before you draft and then after. You don't want to draft an asshole if you knew he was an asshole. Why would you do that? <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> At least you shouldn't. Makes no sense, right? If, if you're a general manager in today's NFL, would you be comfortable drafting a guy you didn't bring in on your top 30 visits in the first round? Because I know it's probably going to happen at some point in the draft, but in the first round, would you be comfortable bringing in a guy that you didn't have uh, on your top 30 list? Yeah, because, I mean, it's not. It, it, I'm not collecting all the data on the top 30 list. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm supplementing the data. If I, if I went to, let's say, Quentin Nelson at Notre Dame, and I went there and and did him and the scouts, and he's got all these incredible character grades, and we talked to his high school coach, we talked to his high school principal, all those things, and it was elite. Well, I don't really need to let anybody know I love him. Just leave him there. It's good. We got, an, we got really good information. The problem you get into is when you have bad information, when you're not sure, when you have disconsenting information, when you have one scout here and another scout there, who's right? Mm. It's, it's interesting because I think the, the main takeaway is that it's not necessarily a signal because somebody brings a player in for a top 30 visit. There's obviously interest and they have a draftable grade on the player, but it's not like, oh, they brought in this person, they're gonna go ahead and draft them. You, it's, there's no straight line, you can't assume. There's no straight line. That's why it's an inexact science, the NFL draft. We're gonna take another break on the other side. I wanna talk about some quarterbacks and how many we might see in the first round among some other things as well. This is the GM Shuffle. to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, let's talk some more NFL drafts here. Since it is draft month, April has arrived, spring has sprung, and hope reigns eternal as everyone uh, is excited. You, you know, it's funny, too. I think we should mention this. Mm-hmm. We talk about it on the show a lot. So everybody gets so caught up in this draft, and yep. this draft really will not impact the win loss over under numbers at all no 
at all. The, none of these players will shift the market. Now, maybe Bryce Young could Carolina. I doubt it. I think they've already got it set because mm-hmm. of Andy Dalton. And C.J. Stroud, it, it may, if he goes to Houston or if they flip it the other way, I, you know, I mean, you're getting the sense it's everybody's now on the Bryce Young train at once. It's starting to seem like that. Yeah, huh? it seems like that, right. Okay. I wonder where you heard that about. What was that about three and a half weeks ago, a month ago maybe? I, I don't think it's close, Femi. I really don't. I don't think it's close. I think if you watch tape, I don't think it's close. I think C.J. Stroud has to look to the sideline to get the play. Check he comes back in. And he's running this Ohio State offense, which is good for college, but it's going to be a little bit of a transition into the pro, you know, which leads me to Hayden Hooker. There's some people think Hayden Hooker's going in the first round. Yeah. And so Hayden Hooker is the Tennessee quarterback who tore his ACL, unfortunately, late in the season. Uh, Tennessee had a hell of a season all the way up to the point they ended up losing the game to Georgia and Athens, but a really phenomenal season for Josh Heupel and that crew. And Hooker, who by all indications has off the charts and tangibles, everybody who's talked to him says they speak highly of him. A-plus leader. With that said, 25 years old, he's coming off of a torn ACL. We've heard discussions from a lot of big voices in the draft Nick space saying that Hooker's going to go in the first round. And in fact, that's starting to be reflected in the betting markets. In the positional total props, you can draft bet on total QBs to go in the first round. That opened four and a half with the over at plus 550, be under minus 1,000, meaning that, hey, this is only going to be four guys selected. Now, Michael, as we sit here on April 3rd, the over is plus 125, the under is minus 165. So there's been a lot of movement and suggestion that Hooker's probably going to go in the first round. Is that what you see on tape? And is that what you're hearing as well when you talk to people around the league? I, I, you know, that doesn't make sense to me. And, and, I, and I'm not disputing Hayden Hooker's character. Mm-hmm. But let's take the player first. So the Tennessee offense is really, truly well-designed by Josh Heupel. And it's really a good college offense. And, and, it, and it's made Hayden Hooker look really good. But it's a half-the-field offense. So the, the, you're looking at one side. It's a high-low. It's a triangle offense to one side of the field. And there's no reads in it. It's just you're looking here, we're throwing there. High-low, if it's man here, if it's zone there, and you're throwing it. Okay, so to me, there's an adjustment. I think, really, if you want to study Hayden Hooker, you better watch the Virginia Tech tape. Mm. Go back and watch that tape and find out really what the guy is. You know, it's like you want to fall in love with Trubisky, well, then watch why he didn't play the first three years. Don't sit there and search for excellence. Search for why. That's the draft. Search for why. Why is this guy good? Why isn't this guy playing? The, The essence of the draft is to search for why. Right? And so when you're searching for why, you look deeper. When you constantly just assume this is what it is, then that's what I wrote about. When you take that positive outlook on a draft player and you just, you just reinforce it with every good play, mm-hmm. as opposed to when you take a negative aspect, you reinforce it, you, you try to be convinced it's not. So, okay, so that's the offense. Second, he's 26 years old. He is going to miss all of next year. You put him on the – so now I've just given away a year. So you're going to put him on PUP or NFI, however you want to do it, if you draft him in the first round. He's not going to pass your physical coming in. So you're going to give up that. Now, you've got that means you've got three years to decide whether you're going to pick up the fifth-year option. And he hasn't played football in all that time. you got to be really sure about that. Mm-hmm. Like it makes really no sense to do that. I get that. You love his character, but you don't have enough data to support that fifth year. So now am I going to pick him? So say I'm Tennessee and I pick him. I got Tannehill for a year, and then I know I'm going to have Hayden Hooker the next next year over that. Are you sure he's good? 
Are you sure he's going to be ready? Because you're going to have to pick up that fifth year. Like I, I don't get the urgency. And I see where people, they're falling in love with the product. Remember, when you're watching players, you know, or you're watching guy, you, you have to sit there and say, was this the scheme or was this the player made a great play? Right? When you watch Bryce Young, you can say the scheme th- made that throw. The scheme made, no, no, no. Bryce Young made that throw. No, Bryce Young did that. No, Joe Burrow did that. No, the scheme did that. You got to break it down. So when you're sitting there, I'm sure they do this at Pro Football Focus. When you're sitting there and you're watching it, right? And you're seeing it, you got to be able to say how many scheme throws did he make and how many plays did he make? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's right there is, I think, a really good breakdown of it. And I think with Hooker, we already know that with any of these guys, you're trying to draft, like you don't know 1,000% if they're going to be good or not. Because it's still, it's, the jump from college to NFL is tricky. But you're adding so many variables into this with the age and also the injury. So it's now, it's like, we don't know if he's good. He's also older, much older than most prospects who come out of the draft. And then now he's coming off of an injury, having to rehab and do all that stuff. Like, it, it, to me, it feels like you're kind of forcing it a little bit there. Unless you are 1,000% pounding the table that this kid is going to be a rock star quarterback, why would you use a first-round pick on him? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's what I don't get. And especially, I think you have to be careful with the hypo offense. Like, it's misleading. Yeah. He's making the quarterback better. It's a good Joe offense. Gibbs <laughs> made the quarterback better. You know, why was Stan Humphreys not as effective when he left Joe Gibbs? Or why was Mark Rippon not as effective when he left Gibbs? Or why was Theismann or Doug Williams, you know? I mean, why were those guys, Stan Humphreys was in San Diego, uh, I'm wrong there. But I mean, like, why were they all different? Because he made the game easy for him. So part of the job of a scout is to understand the game. You've got to see players and plays. You have to understand players and plays to break down the player. If you're just sitting there grading production, you're not a scout. Anybody can do that. Oh, yeah. You you have to look past production. And so and and that's what leads you to Anthony Richardson. Look past the production. You say, well, you got you guys are making fun of Anthony. There's no production. Well, there's a lot of plays that that are easy to make that he doesn't make. And there's some plays that are hard to make that he makes. Exactly right. <laughs> and that's that's where the intrigue comes in there. Because like I know a lot of the folks that are the detractors of the Anthony Richardson say, well, he completed 53% of his passes in college. Like, what is he going to do in the NFL? It's like, it's not really that simple. Because like we talked about with Josh Allen, the same could have been said about him. And now he's translated and has worked. Now you got to figure out if Richardson is that kind of a person that's going to work at it to get better. And if he is, you could have a dynamite quarterback. With Hooker, though, because we're both on the same side of this, do you believe, though, that he could go in the first round? Like, do you think that's a possibility? Because that's what, like, I, I, the more and more I read and the more I listen to, it's, Oh, Hooker can go in the back half of the first round, or some people think Hooker might even go in the top 20. I, I just, logic to me doesn't make sense on that. It doesn't track to me either. It, but. it just doesn't. I mean, it, it, it doesn't. But then, you know, the desperation for quarterbacks are so great, but you still don't know. I mean, I just have a hard time seeing a, first of all, you know, when I first went to Cleveland the second time, you know, they had this huge analytical department, you know, and this one guy was from Dallas and they, the first meeting we had, the analytical, the two analytical guys in the meeting said, well, you know, the first thing we look for is age. Oh, really? I mean, like, like seriously, this is analytics? I mean, well, wait a minute. I mean, Al Davis has been talking about the birth of a player for the whole time. I mean, I've, since I studied him when I was 12 years old, you know, that was the thing. That's not analytic. 
Like I have a hard time believing that if you're your quarterback of the future, if you draft him, he's going to be 31, 32 for the second contract. You're basically getting one contract. Why wouldn't you sign Lamar Jackson? Yeah. I mean, like Lamar Jackson's literally, I think, like what, a year older than Hendon Hooker? Maybe like only months. So Hooker right now, he's 25 years old. He's going to turn 26 in January. So that'll be at the end of the regular season. So it's coming up here. He'll be 26 years old. So he would be, if he plays, he starts at 26 coming off an ACL. I mean, I feel horrible that kid got the ACL. Yeah, that's you know, a tough break. Yeah. But, but to me, I, I just don't understand how you could do that. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's a 26 year old MVP. I mean, it's just. It's, whole thing is stupid. He doesn't look. <laughs> let's be clear here. I mean, as much as we want to make kill the teams, Lamar Jackson not having an agent is a big issue here. He's making it hard on himself. It, it, it's a huge issue. You know, if he had Jimmy Sexton or 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 I am or any of these comp uh, these guys that are understood the market, you know, it would be there would be a deal. There would be a better campaign. There would be a better a whole. This thing would be in a different light. This this lack of trust towards having somebody represent you to me is really hurting his career. I wish I could talk to him about it. I think it really is. And, and I'm a huge supporter of Lamar, but without an agent, it's becoming very difficult And he can sit there and tweet out that, you know, who needs an agent? I think you do. I think there's a value. Look, if you ever want to do a case study on value of agents, I think the Lamar Jackson situation is true. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the money side of it either. Right? No. It's also just the, the messaging. And, the messaging and, and, and is we, we important too. About, yeah. Because like, he's just getting, he's getting killed in the PR campaign. It's, it's not well, looking He's good. getting killed in a pocketbook. Okay, what happens? Yeah. What's his alternative? Does he play on the one-year tender? Nobody thinks he's going to do that. We know that, we know Cleveland, we know that Baltimore was trying to sign Baker Mayfield. You know, but that was a little too cloudy for Baker to go there. But, you know, so where are they going? Speaking of the messaging, before we wrap up here, uh, how about the messaging for Odell Beckham Jr.? I mean, he's been cited with Robert Sala at the Suns game earlier this past weekend. Multiple offers on the table, reportedly, for Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, I wouldn't <laughs> I blink. I see you shaking your I head. wouldn't blink. I mean, if somebody wants to pay him five, eight million a year, God bless him. I mean, there's, there's no, you can't have confidence without the, there's no evidence to give you confidence. Mm. And so, like, if you're doing that, you're paying for, you're paying for past performance, not future achievements. I and mean, if you want to do that, go ahead. But like, like just because it's Odell, it's the power of marketing. It really is. It's the power of marketing and you're falling trapped to it. I mean, any smart team, you know, that is going to commit a lot of money in cap room has to be certain. I mean, five, eight million dollars. You're trying to get him on a discount. Reportedly, he's looking for 15 over one year. Shit, I'm looking for 20. I mean, like, why not look for it? I mean, we're all looking for it. They were looking for gold in the 1840s, right? That's how we got the 49ers. I mean, like, why not keep looking? Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, like, seriously, like, why not? But at some point, you got to say, and not, you know, like, where are we? Where are we going? Money doesn't, in any profession, in any business, in any organization, money doesn't solve any problems. It creates more. So when you throw money at a problem, you're creating more problems. It's curling in the boat. It's You're drilling one hole to let the water from the other hole out. You're creating more problems.
especially when it's a salary cap sport like the NFL. Uh, it's Robin Peter to pay Paul, essentially. It's kinda no how, doubt. It's kind of how you're doing things. Ultimately, where do, you, do you think he just ends up with the Jets? Is that where we're headed? Sounds like it. I mean, yeah. and the Jets are all in. I mean, the Jets, are, look, their owner is completely all in. He's I mean, they man. put their chips to the middle of the table, you know, and they're not even checking like they did in round two. Check, check, check. All you do is check. Like, they're just good all in, you know? And they're, not, they're spraying the pot. Hey, Woody Johnson splashing the pot. <laughs> Splash the pot. I can splash the pot any way I want. <laughs> Just pay this man his money. That's what we're going to do with Odell. That's what we're going to do with Aaron Rodgers, J-E-T-S. But they're going to, one thing I'll say, they are going to be very interesting this upcoming season. The Jets will be very, very interesting. Oh, they're going to be interesting. It's going to yeah. be a hell of a storyline. Uh, it's going to be interesting it. if it can stay together. What happens if there's cracks in the armor? Yeah, what happens if they start like two and three? Yeah. Mm. I think they'll be on all the talk shows and they'll be on our show as well because it'll be a really interesting thing to talk about. But we still have a lot of time between now and then the draft, though, coming up later this month. We'll try to find some answers along the way. You're going to start watching some of these positional players. Like, I am going through it now. I, I need the take I'm all on set. I'm all set up. I got you know, get working Anderson breakdown. I've, I've been working through it. Yeah, I okay. start on the offensive line because in spite of all the love of receivers, if, if you can't find linemen and you can't block, what good are they? They're not. <laughs> and the Chiefs found that out in that Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And then they put a good offensive line together. And hey, now they have another Lombardi trophy. So uh, it starts up front. But uh, we're going to get to all the sexy positions, the quarterbacks. The I mean, we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks, but the wide receivers, the corners, the the, the, the running backs, Bijan Robinson, a lot of talk about him maybe going in the first round. People think that the Cowboys should draft him. I, I, you know, it's funny, though, before we go, uh -huh. you know, if you sat there and you went through all the mocks, People are, are basically working off the same, let's say, 40 names. Like, so what's happened in these mocks is because you got all these people that do mock drafts, mm -hmm. you end up working off the same 40 names, when in reality, that's not what it should be. Like, there should be 100, there's different levels of play. And so because those 40 names are just regurgitated, like if people, when I was in the league and someone say, okay, who do you like? And I said, well, who do you, you know, I would just give the name that everybody was giving us. Yeah. Just keep giving the same names out. Like, and, and, and it just falls and people fall prey to it. Like, okay, they're going to take that guy. Mm -hmm. It's like the NBA draft. Like I sit there and say, oh, you know, they're going to take this guy. When all of a sudden they take somebody completely different. Like you got to think outside the box. Like those 40 names, just because those draft Knicks say they're the 40 doesn't mean they're the real 40. And I think that's a really great message to fans because as fans, like we get caught up in, okay, this is the name that everyone's mocking to us. And then if it doesn't happen on draft night, it's like, you well, failed. we screwed up the draft. We screwed yeah, it yeah. up. Like what's well, going no. on? <laughs> like just relax. Calm yeah. down. And, and I'm always reminded of in 2013, I remember I was watching the draft, the Cowboys, they trade down from 18 to 31 and they probably should have gotten more on moving down that far with San Francisco. And they ended up with Travis Frederick at center from Wisconsin. Well, they got and, killed for that. And they got absolutely ripped. I mean, I think it was Mayock was on the NFL Network saying, like, oh, this is like a third-round player I had on my, on my board and all that stuff. And then Frederick had, I mean, his career was cut short with the with but the he was a great illness, player. but he was a great player. Plug-and-play starter. Great player. Really good player. <laughs> Want to control the middle of the field, get a yeah. good center. Like, it made no sense. Like, you just get ripped for it, you know? It's made no and sense. so it, just because it didn't fit your board, yep. your board isn't the right board. It's their 100%. board that's the right board. And I think we get caught up in that. And then when they give out the grades, by the way, Baltimore will get an A. Right now, write it down. <laughs> uh, April the 3rd, Baltimore but will get an A for the draft. Even though it hasn't happened yet, maybe, they will get they an A. They might not. They're, they're starting to get no, some criticism no, the, with the no, Lamar they'll stuff. they'll get an A. Draft, <laughs> come draft time, they're going to get an A. They're going to get an A. Eric DaCosta knocked it out the park once again. <laughs>
Meanwhile, they'll be sitting there with Tyler Huntley as their week one starter. Uh, but that does it for us this week on the GM Shuffle. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Tell your friends about it. Tell your enemies about it. Tell everyone about it. Uh, thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, once again with us on the ones and twos. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Visa. Thank you to you, Michael. I'll talk to you on Thursday. Thank you, Femi. 